Are you guys glad you're here today? I am really, really happy to see you guys. I'm glad you're here. I've had an interesting week, and I got a, uh, I got a, a good friend of mine that, that's with me, and uh, he's all the way from Amarillo, Texas. He uh, got a little bit of dose of bedlam yesterday. Uh, he, just, he just thought he was going to hang out, but 2.30, 2.30 rolls around. We're watching football. So anyway, but um, uh, Richie, Pastor Richie Brown has been pastoring Amarillo Fellowship down in Amarillo, Texas for the last, I think that they just celebrated 15 years, and he started that church out with 11 people, and God has blessed them, and they're running over 800 people now at that, ch- that little church over there in Amarillo, so God is doing some great things, and another thing, what, but what, you know, all the leadership and all the things that God has done in his life, what, what impresses me most about him and his, and his ministry is what God has done in his family. God is, is growing up a family underneath him, and they're becoming ministers, and, and he's affecting the next generation, and God's really blessing him. But uh, my favorite thing about him is that he likes me. <laughs> you know, when you got a good friend and somebody knows you and still likes you, you got to hang on to those people, right? Isn't that right? Absolutely. So uh, will you welcome with me Richie Brown? Love you, man. Amen. Everybody doing good today? Man, I couldn't wait to get here to hang out with your pastor. I absolutely do love your pastor. The guy can preach, play the guitar, and wrestle deer. You got to love a guy who can do all of those things. He's a pretty talented guy. I don't know if y'all have seen it, but he's actually an internet sensation right now. Um, We're going places, and he's explaining to everybody, yeah, I got the deer like this and had it down. I don't know if you've ever wrestled with an animal. I grew up on a farm, and wrestling animals is not as easy as it looks. That deer only weighed like 120 pounds, I think, but man, yeah, 250, yeah, he may have been a seven, 800-pound deer before we get done with the story, but... Anyway, man, great to be with y'all today. Uh, my name is Richie Brown, and I'm, I'm really excited to be with y'all today. I wanted to kind of show you my family. In fact, guys, if you throw that picture up there, this is my beautiful wife right over here. And I want you to notice as I'm sitting, standing next to her, I look better than I do right here. Have you noticed that, guys? If you're married over your head like me, when you're standing next to your wife, you look better there. All right, the wives are amening me, the husbands are not sure they like me now. And then over here, this is my kids, the, 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 the two boys on either end, these are my sons, Richard Lee Brown III, if you can believe we did that to my son, and then also Christian David, and these are two, my two daughter-in-loves, um, absolutely love them, they're amazing gals. In fact, Brianna, the one on the left, uh, she is pregnant and going to be a mom, and I'm going to be a grandpa, which is actually more important than her being a mom, right, um, in April, and so we're incredibly excited and um, just looking forward to that, but I wanted you to kind of get to know who I am a little bit, because as we talk today and spend a little time, I want you just to kind of relax. I know that when there's a guest speaker, you kind of don't know what I'm going to do, and to be quite honest with you, I really don't know what I'm going to do either. Um, Sometimes I say things that I probably shouldn't have said and and leave out things I probably should have said, Um, but I want you just to kind of relax today, and let's act like uh, we're excited to be here today, because how many of you know this should be the very best day of the week? All right, let me try that again over on this side. How many of you know this should be the very best day of the week? All right? When you show up to the 11 o'clock, the 10 after 11, the 11, 15, whatever time you think this service begins, this should actually be the best time of the week. Why? Because we're in the presence of God. God's going to come here today and he's going to touch our hearts. But here's the deal. You've got to learn how to lean into him. You've got you to learn how to kind of engage with him because it's very easy for you and I to go through the motions of life. 
Have you noticed that, husbands and wives, how easy it is to get where you go through the motions with your spouse? And you can take that person for granted and things. And so we, we need to lean in today. And so I was talking with Pastor Travis and uh, with his permission, I wanted to share with you guys something that we do on Sunday mornings. We believe the tongue has the power of life and death. Y'all believe that? That what you say is either words of life that are encouraging and building up or they're words of death that are actually tearing things down. And so what we want to learn how to do is to train ourselves, remind ourselves all the time to speak words of life. Listen, that doesn't mean you put your head, your head in the sand about the realities of things you may have to deal with your kids about. But when you're correcting your kids, rather than telling them they're bad kids, tell them who they are in Christ Jesus and tell them that that behavior wasn't good. My son, Christian, um, when he was growing up, he was one of the ornery kids. Y'all, y'all have an ornery kid and a rule follower kid. Anybody? You had both of those? That's what I had. My oldest son, Richie. Rule follower, I mean, he, if he ever did anything wrong, he would be the first to confess that my son Christian was incredibly ornery. Well, when he was young, we kept saying over him, Christian, you're so ornery. Christian, you're so ornery. Christian, you're so ornery. Can I tell you, it became a self-fulfilling prophecy. He got ornerier and ornerier. Some of you are today are products of someone saying that same thing over you. We recognize we've got to stop saying that. So we began saying, Christian, you're a good boy. Christian, you're a, you're a mighty man of God. And I'm telling you, seriously, within a couple of months, he literally began to change. Now, he still has that ornery bent, and I love that about him because he gets that from his mom. Actually, he gets it from me, but I, I love that about him. But, but he's not an ornery going the wrong direction because we spoke life over him. Say all that to say, we're going to start off today making some declarations. So I'm going to ask you to stand up because I'm going to be diving into a message for about two hours uh, today as we're speaking, give you a chance to stretch your legs. You know, sometimes when you tell a joke, you think it's really going to be funny and it just goes over like a lead balloon. I was telling somebody backstage, you know what, my dad used to tell jokes and it didn't matter if anybody laughed, he just would tell the joke anyway. I'm finding as I get older, I like that too. I don't care if y'all like the joke or not, I'm enjoying it, so I'm going to say it today. So if I laugh and get it, have a good time and you don't, just wait on me, I'll be back with you in just a few minutes, all right? But we're going to make some declarations today over our life because, again, we believe the tongue has the power of life and death, all right? And just in case you're a guest today and think, have I walked into a cult today? You have not. Pastor Travis will be back next week, and um, you can get in your regularly scheduled program. But I want to start off today by my, us making some declarations over our life. And all of these things that we're going to be saying are just a condensation of the Word of God about who our God is who we actually are in Christ Jesus, and the power of his promises to us. And so as we say this today, I'm going to encourage you just to say it out loud with me, and let's make these declarations together. Y'all ready? Let's say it together. God is who he says he is. God will do what he says he will do. I am who God says I am. I can do all things through Christ. God's word is truth. God's word is alive and active in me. And now, because of what Christ has done, I'm highly favored, greatly blessed, and deeply loved. Guys, leave that up there just a second. I want us to say that last line one more time, because this is going to be what I'm going to be talking about today, that because of what Christ has done, you and I today, we're highly favored. I don't know if you know that today, but you are highly favored. There is favor chasing you down today. You're greatly blessed. How many of you know that you're greatly blessed? You've got got a home You've got uh, some friends, you've got some family, you've got health, you're dressed today, thank you for doing that by the way, and, and, and you're blessed today, and we've got to remind ourselves we're blessed, and we're also deeply loved. God loves you with an everlasting, unconditional love today, and when we begin to understand that, it changes everything. So let's say it one more time, and now 
because of what Christ has done, I'm highly favored, greatly blessed, and deeply loved. Let me pray over you today. Father, I pray right now that as we step into these next few moments, that if we've come here today and we're just going through the motions, Lord, we're just coming today to kind of go through the motions of playing church. God, I pray today that we would stop playing church and recognize that we are the church that we are the body of Jesus Christ, that we are the love of Jesus Christ everywhere that we go. And Lord, we can't give something away that we don't possess. So Lord, I pray today that we would begin a fresh revelation, a fresh understanding that the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ really is good news. It's not the have-tos, it's the get-tos. And today, God, that you would change our hearts, that you would do a work in us, God, that's going to bring about life change, that from this moment forward, God, we'd make a decision we're never going to be the same again because of what you're speaking to our hearts. So help us open up our hearts and lives to Jesus today. In Christ's name I pray. And all God's children said, amen. Amen. Why don't you give somebody a high five as you're seated today? Tell them they're the best looking person you've seen all day today. All right. All right, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35. I'm, I'm one of those believers that is uh, kind of looking at the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ from a, the glass is half full mindset. I believe that God's a good God. I believe that God loves to do good things in the lives of his children. That doesn't mean that it's without challenges in our life. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. So I believe that God wants to do some good things. I believe in every one of our lives today, whether you're in the most challenging season of your life or you're in the best season of your life, the best is yet to come. I believe that the best is yet to come. And I know that for some of you, that you're in the middle of some dark times and you're going, man, I, don't, I just don't know. I just don't know if I'm going to make it through this. I want to remind you today about some things that you walked through a year ago, two years ago, that you didn't think you were going to make it through. And now you're through it and you're recognizing, hey, it's better than it was before. And I want to tell those of you that, man, things are great in your life. Things couldn't be better. You're the one pinching yourself all the time going, man, my life is so amazing that the best is yet to come. The reason is, is because God wants to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or all that we can think. That's the promise that we find in the Word of God. And so today I want to talk about this issue of the best is yet to come. And a a few weeks ago I was talking to my staff about this issue, the best is yet to come. And I was asking, what are some of the challenges that we face in believing that the best is yet to come? What are some of the things that, that cause us to doubt the best is yet to come? And of course people begin to comment that circumstances you know you're you're in the middle of a challenging season of your life you're in the middle of something that's really difficult right now and it's hard it's a challenge to believe that the best is yet to come and as we begin talking about this my the children's pastor she's only 21 years old and just to knock the ball out of the park children's pastor named hannah she said well it's easy for me to believe the best is yet to come because i'm pretty young And I've got my entire life in front of me, and so it's quite easy for me to believe the best is yet to come. And I think that's true. I think when things are new or things are fresh, we believe the best is yet to come. I mean, just think about it when you get married. When you're newlyweds, you believe the best is yet to come. Why? Because you're still dating your wife, right? In fact, you go out to eat, and and you go to a place that has some spicy food, Y'all ever like to eat some spicy food, some Tex-Mex? I don't know what it is that you like spicy, but, but on your way home, suddenly your stomach starts going, 
you feel this rumble, and suddenly you start getting a little nervous. Y'all know what I'm talking about? So all of a sudden you find yourself rolling down the window. Oh, I wonder how cold it is outside. Y'all know why you're rolling down the window? Y'all picking up, tracking with me? Then you're married 10 years, and you not only don't roll down your window, you lock the window so she can't roll down the window. <laughs> and the reason is, is because it just, we get kind of comfortable with things, and we start, we start wondering, man, is the best yet to come in my marriage? Man, we've had the same challenge for years now. Or at your job. You get a new job, and it's just awesome. You walk in, you're the new kid. Everyone loves you. You're the, you're the rising star. Everyone believes in you, and you love it, and you're just thinking, man, it's amazing. And then some things begin to happen. Life happens to us, and then people happen to us. Have you ever noticed that 99% of your problems in life are related to people? And so what happens is we want to run from people, and we don't believe the best is yet to come. But I want to tell you today that God wants you to have confidence today in who he is and actually who you are as a follower of Jesus Christ. Because unfortunately, we've lived with this mindset that Christianity is this thing that I'm trying to endure until I can make heaven, rather than really understanding that the best is yet to come right now. That's why Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have life more abundantly. So God wants you to have confidence. In fact, it's the verse I want to look at today. If you have your Bibles in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35, he wants you to be confident about your future. Here's what it says. Therefore... Do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. Notice that you're in charge of your confidence. You have some confidence stealers in your life? Some people that are constantly putting you down. I grew up in a family that we felt as our responsibility that if anybody was confident to make sure that when they left our presence, they weren't going to be confident anymore. We were very sarcastic and very mean, but you're responsible for your confidence. And listen, Eleanor Roosevelt said, no one can hurt you without your consent. So we've got to hold on to our confidence. We've got to understand how important it is to not throw away our confidence. Now, in the Greek language, the original language of, of the, the New Testament, this word throw away has both an active and a passive meaning. The active meaning is literally just to throw away. And we throw away the confidence in God's promises, the confidence in God's goodness when we believe the problem or the circumstances more than the promise. Now, I know that no one in the second service did that, but there were a lot of people in the first service that dealt with that. Again, look, I'll tell you what, I'll do this every time I tell a joke and you'll know that it's a funny joke, right? Okay. That, that, that it's very easy for us to throw away our confidence. We start believing how big the obstacle is. We're, we're never going to get out of this. The enemy starts whispering in our ear. We start listening to the accusations and lie of the enemy. But there's also a passive definition to this also, that our confidence leaks. If you don't, on a continual basis, stay focused on the goodness of God, reminding yourselves that you're a child of God, your confidence in the goodness of God begins to leak over time. And what happens is you'll find yourself one day just so confident in the goodness of God. You're here in the worship service. You've got your hands lifted up. You're so thankful for what God has done. And suddenly you find yourself with your hands down, wondering, God, where are you? What's going on in my life? Am I speaking to anybody today? Listen, I'm telling you that the, the devil is after your confidence today. He is. Why? Because it has a great reward and a lack of confidence is going to hinder you and I from walking confidently in the promises of God. It's going to 
it hinder us from walking confidently in the plan that God has for our lives. So again, therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. Here's part of the reward. The next verse says, for you have need of endurance. Listen, one of the incredible things that confidence gives us is the ability to endure. The ability to endure when we go through a challenging time in our life, when we go through a challenging part of our, our marriage that we want to get out, we want to quit, we want to bail out, and yet confidence gives us the ability to endure. When we're waiting on a healing, when we're waiting on the restoration, when we're waiting on the promises of God. So that word endurance literally means to stand your ground. It's what the Word of God teaches you and I to do, that we are in the middle of a battle. We're in the middle of a battle that the enemy has his sights on you. He has his sights on your family. Why? Because if he can destroy you, he can affect a lot of people. And we've got to learn how to just stand our ground, to persevere and say, God, I believe you. I believe your promise. It's to have patience. That's what confidence does. You're going to need confidence so that you can stand your ground. Watch this verse again. For you have need of endurance, comma, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. Notice that again. So that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. Now, I want you to notice the progression here in our lives. I, I pray you're here today to kind of learn something, to be able to take something out today so you can walk in confidence this week. Notice the progression. If you'll have confidence in Jesus, knowing who your Savior is, knowing what he has done for you, you'll stand your ground and you're going to do the will of God. Notice it again. For you have need of endurance so that when you've done the will of God, you may receive what is promised? Now, how many of you this morning, you want to receive the promises of God? Okay, I'm going to talk to you four people here today. The rest of you can just listen along as we go. We all do, right? We all want to receive the promises of God. So how do we receive the promise of God? Look at the progression again. Placing our confidence in Jesus. You'll endure, stand your ground. You're going to do the will of God. Now, listen, if you've been in church for any amount of time, you know that's crazy. Because the will of God has always been this spooky, elusive, ooh, where's it at kind of thing that we've been taught. We, we've been taught that you really can't know or really understand the will of God, and so it's just something out there. I can't tell you how many times as a pastor, I bet Pastor Travis can say the same time, same thing, how many times people have come to me and said, can you just help me understand the will of God for my life? And, and it's because we think it's this elusive, hard-to-find thing. So if you come to me and say, can you tell me God's will for my life? I may not be able to tell you specifically what the will of God is for your life, but I can tell you this. If you can't sing, you can't carry a tune in a bucket, it isn't to sing. So don't try out for the voice, all right? Unless you want to be on national TV and create good TV for the rest of us. And listen, don't try out for the worship team, all right? You just can't carry a tune. Listen, if you're 5'5", five, five, 110 pounds, it probably isn't linebacker for the Dallas Cowboys. I don't care how many times you watch the movie Rudy, still isn't going to get you to be Rudy, Rudy. Y'all know that? All right. It's still not going to work out. So listen, I may not be able to tell you specifically what it is, but a good place to start is to go to the promises of God. Listen today, the word of God says that you're more than a conqueror. Am I talking to anybody today? The word of God says that you're more than a conqueror today. Well, I'm feeling a little defeated. Your feelings have nothing to do with it. You're more than a conqueror. The, the, the word of God says that you're the head and not the tail, that you're above and not beneath, that you're blessed in the city, you're blessed in the country, you're blessed going in, you're blessed coming out. Listen, God's favor is chasing you down. 
in our life. It doesn't matter how you feel. It doesn't matter what it looks like. Go to the promises of God. Another great place to discover your purpose is go through the growth track that the church offers here. Why is that so important? Because you're going to understand your spiritual gift. You're going to understand the way that you're wired in your personality. One of the greatest things that helped my wife and I is when we discovered the way that we were wired and that I discovered that we were wired differently. Because I spent the first seven years of my life trying to fix my wife. Trying to tell her how wrong she was because she thought this way or she felt this way. Some of you, this is kind of painful for you today. But I'm telling you, when you begin to understand your purpose and plan, it begins to change everything in your life. So go through the growth track because you need to know the way that God has wired you. That God has designed you. The Bible says you're fearfully and wonderfully made. There is not another you. And you're a part of this local body. You've got a purpose. You've got a destiny and a design that this local body needs. So you need to get through the girl track to discover what that is. Because our verse says that if you'll have confidence in Jesus, confidence in his goodness and his unconditional love for you, it will empower you to endure, to stand your ground even in difficulties. The result is you are going to do the will of God. Isn't that amazing today? Listen, even though many of you are taught it's hard to understand the will of God, catch this, it is actually hard to miss the will of God. Let me say that again. Though many of you were taught that it's hard to understand the will of God, it is actually hard to miss the will of God. Now, notice I'm not saying it's always easy to do the will of God. Because sometimes we've got some bad habits. We've, we've got some things that we are working through that are a little bit of a challenge to us, and we are not quite there yet. Anybody here, there, not there yet? My biggest challenge, driving. I don't know if y'all are like me, but people that don't know how to drive absolutely drive me crazy. So if I'm driving down the road and someone pulls out in front of me and they're going 10 miles under the speed limit, I just say, oh, Jesus, thank you for that person today. I pray that you would bless them today. May they be mighty, mightily favored in your eyes, right? No, I speed around them and give them the look as I'm going by. Like, what are you doing? Right? It's the thing that I'm working through. But what I'm recognizing is that sometimes I do that and then that person follows me to church and recognizes I'm the pastor, so I gotta stop doing that. So it's not always easy to do the will of God, but listen, it's, under, it's easy to understand the will of God. That you're actually right smack dab in the middle of the will of God. Now you might be doing some things wrong. You might be stepping out of the will of God by drinking too much, having sex outside of marriage. You're doing wrong things here and there. But I'm telling you, God knows right where you're at. He's not surprised by where you're at today. He knows exactly what's going on in your life. So it's hard to miss the will of God. It's hard to miss the plan of God for your life. Look at this verse in Philippians chapter 1. It says, I am sure of this. This is Paul writing to us, an eyewitness to the account of, of Jesus showing up on the road to Damascus to him, speaking to him. He said, I'm sure of this, that he, talking about God, who began a good work in you, will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Listen, it's hard to miss the will of God. If you'll hang on to the confidence God's desire to do good towards you, you're going to do the will of God. You're going to walk in God's plan and purpose today. So what happened to our confidence as followers of Jesus Christ? When did did our relationship with Jesus become so fragile that we're afraid that we're going to have a bad thought and immediately lose the relationship with God? 
When, when, did, when did we lose our confidence? Listen, I think sometimes we treat the will of God kind of like when my, my kids were still at home. Um, you know, now again, obviously they're, they're married and they don't live at home. Thank God. Um, it's, I'm enjoying this part of my life now too. But um, did I mention I was going to be a grandpa? I don't know if I, I probably did. Yeah, kind of excited about that. But when my kids were still at home, let's just say I, I told them, I said, hey kids, let's get out to the car. Man, we're going to go grab something to eat. And because my kids were always obedient, always obeyed, and listened to everything that I said, and Lord, forgive me for lying in church, um, let's just say that they would go out and they would actually go get in the car. But let's say rather than going out and get in the car, I went and I hid behind the couch. My kids would go out to the car. They'd sit out there for a while. They'd sit, kind of going, I wonder where Dad is. He must, he must have had to grab something. He'll be out here in a second. After a while, how many of you know they would come back in? They'd come back in the house going, Dad. Dad, Dad, where are you? I'm over behind the couch hiding because this is so much fun to trick my kids. All of a sudden, they walk around behind the couch and they see me and they go, Dad, Dad, what are you doing? I'm going, you all thought we were going to go eat, right? I was tricking you. How many of you know that's not a good father, that's a weird father? (laughs) Our heavenly father is a good, good father. It's who he is and and we're loved by him. It's who we are. He's a, he's a good father, and God is not going to act like that. Listen, if God says for you to get in the car, it's because he's going to get in the car with you, and he's going to drive you to where you need to go. Listen, you may not know which restaurant you're going to, and you may not know exactly when you're going to get to the restaurant, but if God says you're going to the restaurant, you're going to the restaurant, you're going to get something to eat. For me, that's a huge deal. If God says I'm going to get something to eat, it's a big deal to me because I love to eat. Right? As Christians, it's what we do. We throw out a food and people show up. Right? So you got to know that God is in control of your life. He's taking you in places. You may not understand everything completely. And listen, he's behind the wheel. Some of you need to stop seeing God as your co-pilot and understand he's going to be behind the wheel. Let him have the wheel. You, you need to sing the Carrie Underwood song, Jesus, Take the Wheel. Thank you for the courtesy laughs. I can go back and tell my wife they really enjoyed that joke. All right. So we need to make sure that Jesus is in charge of our life. So listen, even when I'm going through some challenges, and I know God's purpose, plan, and will is to do good towards me, but I'm in the middle of it, I can rest confidently still in the goodness of God. Why? Because the Apostle Paul told us this in Romans 8, and we know that in all things... In all things, not some of the things, that God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. Listen today, if you're a child of God, I want you to know that it's in all things God works for your good. He's not the one causing the ugly things coming into your life. Sometimes it's our behavior. Sometimes it's other people's behavior. Sometimes it's just life coming into it. But God is going to work all things for the good of those who love him. He's going to work it for your good, and he's going to work it for his glory today. Listen, as children of God, when when we go through a difficult circumstance and suddenly people see us coming through victorious, they're going to look at us and they're going to say, how did that happen? You know, I thought, I thought you thought the relationship was over. How did that happen? I thought you were going down financially. How did that happen? How did you get healed? Let me just tell you about the goodness of my God. God's a good God today. So where's the confidence? Listen, what is it that causes us to lose our confidence? Often it's misplaced confidence. See, what, where our confidence needs to be in who our God is and who we actually are in Christ Jesus, not self-confidence. 
Not, not my, my behavior-driven confidence because our confidence can't be in our performance. Some of you got to hear that today because you think all the time that when something bad happened in your life, you start looking at something you did wrong last week and think that God is now punishing you for what you did wrong last week. It's not in our performance. It's not in our track record. It's not in our resume. It has to be in what Jesus has done. So to have confidence, we need to understand how God works. We need to understand how the new covenant actually works. In fact, if you'll back up a few verses there to verse 9 of Hebrews chapter 10, it says this. Then he added, behold, I've come to do your will. This is Jesus. He does away with the first in order to establish the second. This is the foundation of our confidence today. Notice what Jesus does. He does away with the first so that he can establish the second. Now, now check this out because this is a little bit theology. And most of us kind of choke a little bit when we hear some theology because we like the meology. Tell me what I need to do rather than really understanding what God has already done so we know what to do. Y'all hearing me? So it says he does away with the first way of relating to God called the old covenant. And in order to establish the second way of relating to God called the new covenant. So Jesus came away to do with the old covenant or the old way of relating to God, which is based on my performance, rules, and regulations. Basically, it's this, that if I do good, I get good. But if I do bad, I get bad from God. In order to, but he came to establish the new covenant or the new way of relating to God, which was based on Jesus' performance, not my performance, and the fulfillment of the law. So the first way is by our performance. The second way is by Jesus' performance. It isn't my performance that qualifies me for salvation. You could not be good enough to earn salvation. You, in fact, a lot of people think, well, if I just can get my life together, then I can come to God. Listen, you need to come to God now. Because no matter where you're at, none of us could qualify for salvation. And the word salvation literally means salvation, like saved going to heaven. But it also means healed, delivered, set free, whole in every area and arena of our lives. Are you, are you seeing today why the gospel is actually the good news of Jesus Christ? It's not the bad news. It's not the have-tos. It's the good news. So that's the firm foundation that creates confidence in our life, that creates in us the ability to endure or the ability to stand our ground. See, one of the biggest challenges to us holding on to our confidence in Christ Jesus is we mix the old way with the new way. Again, we think that it's based on our performance. And what happens when that we do that is it leads us to be very judgmental and legalistic towards other people and be very condemning towards ourselves. The Word of God teaches you and I that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Listen, if you hear a condemning um, whisper in your ear when you failed and missed the mark, that is not God. Let me say that again. That is not God. There is therefore now no condemnation. You know what God's saying to you? Hey, you're my son. You're my daughter. You're better than this. Get back up. Come on. Let's go again. So let me say it this. The old covenant's relevance now is only to the degree, degree that it points you to Jesus and the new covenant that he established. Did I say old covenant? Let me say that again. Make sure I said that right. The old covenant's relevance now is only to the degree that it points you to Jesus and the new covenant that he has established. We are not to take the law and mix it with God's gift of grace. 
When you do that, you will not stand your ground because your confidence will ebb and flow based on what you're doing instead of the finished work of Jesus Christ. Let's finish up. Verse 10 says this, and by that will, talking about the will of the Father, we have been sanctified. That means made holy. We've been set apart through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Once for all. Now it's going to show us the old covenant way and the way it used to work. And every priest stands daily at his service offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. All that it did under the old covenant was cover over your sin. But look at the new covenant way. But when Christ had offered for all time. Are y'all seeing these words today? For all time a single sacrifice for sins. He sat down at the right hand of God. Jesus sat down because it was done. It was finished. He sat down because you're forgiven, you're covered, you're accepted, you're righteous, you're pleasing, you're favored, you're blessed by God. He sat down because he's done. Listen, and if he sat down, can we calm down? Listen, can we stop struggling trying to become something that we already are? Can we walk in the fullness of what God has for us? Why do we think we have to add stuff to the finished work of Jesus? When did our faith in Jesus become so fragile? Listen, I want to say it again. Can we just rest in this confidence, whether good times or challenging times, that the best is yet to come, that God's favor is on our life? Because sometimes we live with this attitude that Jesus sat down, but when he saw what I did this past week, he stood back up. That Everything that I've done in following after Jesus Christ was undone in one weekend in Las Vegas. Now listen, I'm not trying to make light of sin because sin is ugly. It has, it has horrible consequences. The reason why God teaches us not to do things is because they're bad for us. The reason why he teaches us to do good things is because they're good for us. And we can say all day long, don't touch the red burner, don't touch the red burner. But you know what we typically want to do? Oh, don't touch the red burner. We want to touch the burner. And God's teaching us, look, look, there are horrible consequences for sin. But what you do doesn't make you go back to the beginning. We think that when we fail that we have to start all over. We go back to square one. We think we're on plan B. Listen, nothing that we ever do surprises God. God stands outside of time. He knows everything that you've ever done. Some of you are going, everything? Yes, everything. And he knows everything that you'll do, and yet he loves you and blesses you anyway. Listen, until you get this revelation, you're fearful and anxious all the time. As you can tell, I'm, I'm a motorcycle rider. And before I understood this, every time I would get on my motorcycle, I would confess every sin that I could possibly think of. I would pray and ask God to forgive me of any bad thought I'd had, anything that I said. If I'd said something, I'd go talk to somebody before I got on my motorcycle because I knew if I didn't, he was going to kill me on my motorcycle, right? And we think that way about God, but that's not the way that God works. You're not on plan B in your life. When you fail, you don't get in line for the worst that is yet to come. You really don't. You don't overcome sin by focusing on sin, I'll tell you the best way for you to understand it. Think about somebody that's made you mad, okay? Some of you got several people. Just pick one, if you would. Now go home today and write their name on little sticky notes and say, don't think about so-and-so and put it up on the wall. Go, up, go into your bedroom, don't think about so-and-so, stick it up on the wall. Go in your bathroom, don't think about so-and-so, stick it up on the wall. Go on the kitchen, uh, in the kitchen and put it on the refrigerator, probably where we go a lot. Don't think about so-and-so, stick it on the refrigerator. What are you going to be doing? 
You're going to be thinking about so-and-so all the time. And when we are focused on sin, it leads us towards sin. We need to understand that the spotless, perfect lamb of God died and paid the penalty for our sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You can't become any more righteous than you are right now. Your behavior can become more righteous, but your behavior is what you do. It's not who you are. That's why you'll have good people in your life that will do dumb things. Y'all know who I'm talking about. You're the person that you just wanted to write their name down, right? So as a follower of Jesus Christ, we need to make a decision. We're going to believe the promises of God. We're going to put our faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. We're not going to put our faith in us. What's that do? It creates confidence so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. That's when the promises start showing up in your life. When you're confident in the goodness of God. And I, I pray today that you're going to walk out of here today with a fresh revelation of understanding that God wants you to be confident today. He doesn't want you to be looking at your failures. Yes, he doesn't want you to fail. He doesn't want you to say those things. He doesn't want you to do those things. But he wants you to look at him. And when you start looking at him, you're going to become like him. You're going to become, as the Bible says, that we're beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. We're being transformed into that same image. So I want to pray over you today. I'm going to just ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes and tell you guys, thank you for being so patient and attentive today. I want to pray over you today. I want to pray today that you would start believing that God has amazing things in store for you. That God wants to do, as the word of God says, the exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or all that we can think. Some of you think, well, I, I didn't qualify for that. You've never, your behavior has never qualified you for that. But I want you to know today that as a child of God, you're qualified for what Jesus qualified you for. So I want to pray for you today. In fact, I'm going to, our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. This is between me and you. But if you're here today and you're saying, Richie, I struggle with that. And I I was raised very legalistic. I was raised with the mixing of the old covenant and the the new covenant. And and I think all the time that that God's loving me or or blessing me based upon what I do. And I want to believe what you're saying today. I want to have confidence in the goodness of God. I want to have confidence that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I want to have confidence that God is for me and not against me. That's you today. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. I want to pray for you. In just a second, I'm going to ask you to slip up your hand, and I want to tell you why I do that. Because I think there's something powerful that takes place when we respond to the word that has been given to us, that that we begin to to dive in and begin to open our hearts saying, yeah, that's me. I I want to get that area of my life fixed. So our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. But if you're here today and you're saying, Richard, would you pray for me? I I want to believe that. I want to trust And I want to have confidence in the goodness of God for me and towards me apart from my behavior. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If that's you, slip your hand up. Hold it up high. Yep, 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 yep. Yep, hands going up all over the place. Right where you're at. Father, I pray for every person right now that lifted their hand. Lord, we we get so focused on ourselves, God, and, and our behavior and think that it's our behavior that qualifies us or disqualifies us. But Lord, I pray today that you'd speak to our hearts this week. Lord, that the word of God that I have spoken today would would fill people's hearts and lives, that it would touch people right where they're at. Lord, that they would not be able to move away from this word today to understand, God, that your heart's desire for them is that they would be confident, that they're your children, that you love them, that you're 100% for them. You love them in their best moments and you love them in their worst moments. 
And today, Lord, I pray that they would get a fresh revelation of that, that they would be able to understand with their shoulders thrown back, their head held high, Lord, that they are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So God, I pray for every person that's heart is open today that you would do a work in their lives today. God, supernaturally change them today, I pray in Jesus' name. As their heads are bowed and their eyes are closed. At our church, we, we do this and I wanna do it here too. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I wanna let you know that everything that I'm talking about today begins by you opening up your heart and life to Christ and inviting him into your life. The Bible says that we become a brand new creation. God doesn't fix the old person that you were. You literally become born again and become a brand new creation. And I want to lead you in a simple prayer. In fact, we're all going to pray along with you right there at your seat. But I'd also like to include those of you that might be here today saying, Pastor Richie, I've given my life to Christ, but I recognize today I'm not where I need to be. I've allowed some things to come between me and God, and I'm not in the place that I need to be, and and I'd like to rededicate my life to God. So whether it's for the very first time or you're rededicating your life, I'd I'd like to pray for you. I'm going to count to three, and when I say three, I'm going to ask you just to slip your hand up and hold it up high for just a moment, and I'm going to lead you right there in your chair through that prayer. But if you need Christ in your life or need to rededicate your life, just lift your hand. One, two, three, right where you're at. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you right back here. God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else? Going to wait just a second more and then we're going to pray. All right, God bless you, man. With the heads bowed, eyes closed, I'm going to invite everyone here today just to pray this prayer out loud with me. Just say, dear Jesus. Everybody out loud, if you would, just say, dear Jesus, thank you for loving me and thank you for dying on the cross to pay the penalty for my sin. Jesus, I believe that you're the son of God. I believe that you died and rose again, that I might have life, abundant life, and eternal life. So thank you, Jesus, for loving me. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. God-